Ephesians 2. Now, because there's an and in Ephesians 2, let's go back to verse 22 of chapter 1. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, gave him, that's Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, and in which, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, Jew and Gentile, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, what he's referring to here is that the Jewish people, the circumcision, refer to the Gentiles as uncircumcision. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has spoken broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of the commandments, of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting death to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom 
you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, I hope this isn't the first time that you have read Ephesians 2. Because you need to read Ephesians 2, I would say, at least 10 times to get a good grasp on what Paul is saying. It's not something that, that, um, that the world would say is, is really easy to understand. That's why before you read the Bible, always ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth of God's word so that you can understand all that's going on. Ephesians chapter 2 is filled with such awesome promises of God. I, would, I don't know what your you know, favorite passages are, but what I wanted to do this morning is just go through some of my favorite verses and, and look at those this morning. My very favorite one was verse 4, but God. If you have an NIV translation, it doesn't do this verse justice because I think the NIV says, but because of God's love, and really the, King, the New King James Version um, catches the Greek so much better because it's but God. You see, God is the one who intervenes in our life. If we were to stay at verses 1 and 3, we'd have no hope. It's a very, it, they're very bleak verses. But verse 4 is, but God. And I wrote in my Bible, oh, thank you, Lord, because without God intervening his mercy in our lives, we would be stuck in our trespasses and our sins. We'd be stuck in verses 1 through 3, and our lives would look very bleak. Do you realize that we ourselves cannot, cannot do anything to help ourselves? We can't do anything to remedy our situation of sin. We're born into sin because of what Adam did. We're just born a sinful people, but we can't do anything to help ourselves to remedy that, to bring ourselves back to God, which really honestly is the way the world thinks that, um, you know, I was listening to, um, I'm pretty, I get all these different Emmys, Oscars, these shows mixed up. It was the Oscars on Sunday night, yes. One of the gentlemen came up and he said, you know, we all need to be one because we all um, have God in us. God is in us all. And really, I think that's the way the world thinks, that God is in us all. God is only in you if you're a born-again believer. God loves everyone, but he only, he's a gentleman and he only enters into us if we ask him to. So we need to accept God's um, remedy and ask him to come into our lives to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, and then he comes in and he dwells with us. And as believers, we are one in the body of Christ. These two words, but God, turn your whole life around, gives you a new eternity. Paul turns the attention away from the sinful plight of man and toward a merciful, powerful, and saving God. So that these two words in verse 4 give us an eternal difference. But God, who is rich in mercy. And aren't you so thankful this morning that he's rich in mercy? Because most people aren't. Most people in your lives 
aren't rich in mercy, but God is. Because of his great love with which he loved us. God loves you with a great love. And he's kind of got the, the canvas on your, of your life. You know, his perspective is he sees the, the whole canvas. And he's painting the picture of your life. And you, we might be only able to see one corner, one little patch of the painting. And it doesn't look very good. But remember, he's got the brush. He's the painter. And he's going to finish it because he knows what the entire portrait looks like. He knows the plans that he has for you. And he will fulfill the plans that he has for you if you will day by day stay with him and seek him and follow after him. Allow him to be the, the painter in your life. Allow him to be the molder. You know, we're the clay and he's the potter. Allow him to be the potter of your life and to mold you and to make you because he loves you. I think sometimes we don't allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives because we fully don't trust in him that he loves us. And so we don't want to give him full control. But look at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. He made you alive and he raised you up to sit together with all of the saints. The second verse that I really liked is, is a, a lot like the, the first one, verse 4. It's verse 13. It's God intervening again. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now is another verse showing of how God intervenes in our lives. You know, as I was reading this, I thought, I don't like to be far off from things. I like to be included in the group. You know, when you're far off, you feel kind of excluded. You feel kind of rejected if you are on the outside looking in. But you know what? That's not the way God is. He doesn't tell us that we have to be on the outside looking in, that this religion that he has for us is only for the elite. He brings us in. He draws us near. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, because of our own sin, we were far off. <clears throat> and by the way, you can't bring yourself in to the body of Christ. That's God. He brings you in. He cleanses you. He forgives us of our sins. He accepts us. He adopts us. We become his children. You who were far off have been brought near. And now that's where we are in Christ. We're near. We're near to him. Remember in James, James said, when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. He's right here. He's near. Don't think of God as a far away. It was Thomas um, Jefferson, he was a deist, and this always really bothered me when I learned this in, in history class, that he said that God was just the God out there, did his thing, created the whole universe, created us, and then just kind of left us to be on our own, to be the way we wanted to be. That's not how God is at all. He created us, he bought us with a price, with his precious blood, and then he's near. He wants to be actively involved in your life 
every little detail of your life. Everything that concerns you concerns God. You know, think about that with your children. Everything that your children go through, everything that concerns your children, especially when they're small, doesn't that concern you? The things that they worry about, don't you wish they'd come to you? You know, I've said to my kids so many times when they were little, if you would just come to mommy, I could have helped you with that. That's the way God is with us. He draws us near. And then I love, by the blood of Christ. See, there was a sacrifice for bringing us near. We didn't do it ourselves. We didn't choose God. He brought us near by his precious blood. In the temple, in Jerusalem, way off to the side was the court of the Gentiles. The court was separated. It was far off. It was way far away from the inner courts. The Gentiles were allowed to enter the outer courts of the temple, but then they'd get to a barrier. There was a barrier around the inner courts, and inscribed on the wall of the barrier was a very stern warning. And here was the warning. Gentiles who enter will have only themselves to blame for their death. Gentiles who enter have only themselves to blame for their death. So why would anybody want to try to get any closer to God? Because there was that barrier. There was that wall in the temple. But now, for Gentiles who are in Christ, all has changed. We were without Christ. Now we are in Christ. Because he's brought us near by his blood. The distance and the barriers which separated them and us from God have been removed by Jesus' blood. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. We all now get to go in to the inner courts. We all get to be near to God. Pastors, uh, evangelists, missionaries aren't any more near to God than any of the rest of us. We all stand the same at the foot of the cross. We are all one. And if you feel like you're on the outside, you know what that is? That's a lie of the enemy. Because if you're in Christ, if you've been bought with the precious blood of Christ and you're born again, you're in and you're brought near. And we all are together, standing equal at the foot of the cross. Now there are only two classes of people, those who have Christ and those who don't. That's the only difference really in the world today. Do you have Christ or not? And if you do, what kind of division can there be in his spirit? His spirit wants to make us one. Verse 14, I also loved. It says, for he himself is our peace. This means we now have peace with God. We also should have peace with one another. And if you guys were here on Friday night, that was our theme for Friday night. I didn't even honestly put that even together until Friday night was done. And I was going over my teaching and I was reading Ephesians 2. And here it was again in verse 14. He himself is our peace. And if he's our peace, 
That means peace over all. Peace with God, peace with one another. Isaiah 57, 19 declares, peace, peace to those far and near. What Isaiah meant was peace, peace to those who are far away, to the foreigners, to us, those who are Gentiles, and peace to the Jewish people, to Israel. Peace to both. Now, no one's far or near. We're just all brought near through the blood of Christ. No barriers, no awkwardness, no factions, and no favorites. Never feel that God has favorites. This is the way I want you to feel, that you're his favorite. All of us are God's favorites. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And the Jewish people use it a lot. They use it when they say hello. They use it when they say goodbye. Shalom, shalom. When the Bible speaks of peace, it's meaning shalom. And shalom means more than simply the absence of conflict. The Hebrew word shalom also includes fulfillment. This is what God wants you to have, and I want you to write these words down. Because of verse 14, he is your peace. He is your shalom. That's what the, the Hebrew word means. This is what God wants you to have. Fulfillment in him. Wholeness in him. Completeness in him. Safety in him. Isn't that so cool? That shalom means safety. So let's go back to the beginning. Fulfillment, wholeness, completeness, safety, and abundance. All of those are under the umbrella of the one Hebrew word, shalom. So when we see in verse 14 that he is our peace, he is our fulfillment, he is our wholeness, he is our completeness, he is our safety, he is our abundance. It is an all is well with me kind of satisfaction in life. And it's because of Jesus. He is our shalom. And according to Paul's words in verse 14, Jesus not only gives us shalom, but he is our shalom. I also loved verse 18. For through him, we both have access, both meaning Jew and Gentile, by one spirit to the Father. It was the, it was the tiniest verse you know, in all of Ephesians. But did you catch that this little verse is really the biggest verse of the whole chapter? Let me read it again. For through him, God the Father, we both, <clears throat> excuse me, for through him, Jesus, God the Son, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. It's, it's like that little Adam verse. In it, it has the Trinity. For through him, Christ, we both have access in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, unto the Father, God the Father. 
Jew and Gentile are on the same footing as sinners at the foot of the cross. And then when we come to the foot of the cross, we make a decision. Will we accept him or not? If we do accept him, then we're in. We're brought near by the blood of Christ. In addition, through Christ, we both have equal access to God. No one gets in any easier way. We're all brought in the same way by the blood of Christ. We have equal access to God, which is a glorious privilege for any human being. And any one believer has as much access to God as any other believer. You know, I sometimes think that's a, an also a lie of the enemy. God must love them more than he must love me. You know, I've done so much more than they've done. It must be so much easier for God to bring them in than to bring me in. That's a lie from the enemy because we all stand the same at the foot of the cross. We're brought near by the blood of the by the blood of Christ. And that's what I want you to feel this morning and to know this morning before you go to your group, that because of the blood of Christ, you're brought near, just like I'm brought near. And then we stand the same, hand in hand, at the foot of the cross because of the blood of Christ, because of his rich mercy. You know, it's really sad that we don't have a lot of mercy toward one another. You know, we don't show a lot of mercy probably to the people that are closest to us in our own homes that we don't show mercy like we should. But we need to ask God that he would help us to have richness in our mercy toward one another, just like he's rich in mercy towards us. Let us be rich in mercy toward one another. Let us bring others near. I can't stand when someone is on the outside and excluded. I think it was Julie and I were talking. Actually, Julie was telling us in our group, do you mind if I share? She was saying that she was always the one not being chosen on the outside, the very last one chosen for, um, you know, you know your PE class when you're in gym and they have to draw up sides. I think when you're in middle school, that is the very worst thing that a gym teacher can do for kids of that age. Yeah, because I was the, always the last one chosen too. I wasn't very good at kickball and they knew that. You know, kids know how other kids can do. And if you're bad at something, you won't get chosen. And Julia said there was this one occasion or maybe other occasions, I don't know, where the, she was the last one chosen or not chosen at all, and then the groups would look at her like, eh, you, you take her, you take her, and then no one would take her, and she'd be there standing alone, and then what would you do? Just... Cry. Yeah. <laughs> Say, oh, I'm not feeling too good. I have a sprained ankle, you know, or, or if you're a girl, this is what I did in my gym class. I would tell my gym teacher, who was a male, I'm not feeling too good today, you know, and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, don't want to talk about that with you, an eighth grader, so I would lie about that all the time, <laughs> you know, I'm, ha you know, it's that week, and he'd be like, oh, oh, okay, if he would have gotten smart, he would have known, like, you can't have it every week to get out of gym class, <laughs> but who wants to be embarrassed about not being included, it's a terrible feeling, rejection, being far away, being on the outside, not being brought in. Those are terrible feelings. God doesn't do that. He doesn't. 
We all have the same access to God. There's no secret club. There's no secret door. There's no code, secret code. It's out there. Jesus died for our sins, shed his blood 2,000 years ago, and accepting that, believing in him as your Savior is all it takes. Aren't you so glad for God's club that allows everybody to come in? We're all brought near through the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Oh, we thank you so much, God, that we don't have to be stuck in the gloom of verses 1 through 3, where we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But you stepped in. You intervened. And you were rich in mercy. And you brought us out. You made us alive in Christ. We thank you so much, God, for that. We would, we'll, we'll never be able to tell you thank you enough for making us alive in Christ. We'll never be able to tell you thank you enough for bringing us near when we were far away. Thank you that you brought us near by the blood of Christ. Thank you that we don't have to stand far off and look in and wish that we could be a part of your family, but that you say we are if we trust in you and if we believe in you. So I pray, Lord, for anyone here this morning that might be feeling like they're not as welcomed by you or that somebody else is better than them. Please take those thoughts away, Lord. Those are of the enemy. I pray that you would just dispel the lies of the enemy and that the truth of your word, that the truth of Ephesians 2 would, would stand and would shine and dispel and destroy the lies of the enemy. Thank you, God, that your word is truth, and I pray that each one of us here this morning would accept your truth, just receive your truth, live in your truth, walk in your truth, grow in your truth. Please be with us now, Lord, as we go to our groups. Bless our time together. Help us to open up with one another, to trust one another, to trust you. That this, group, that this group time would truly be a time when we can um, just connect, begin to pray for each other, truly begin to care for one another, and lift one another up in prayer. Help us not to be afraid to share that we got our answers wrong, um, but just let us be able to um, just let down those walls, let down those barriers. We're all one in the body of Christ, sisters that we'll spend eternity together, Lord. Remind us of that. Bless us now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.